0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country and beyond, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Pray, give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, amen. Please be seated when we gather come Sunday to begin ordered worship and to begin another day, another week, we do so in a spirit of confession and of contrition. We are ready to let some things go, to let go of some things. We are engaged in a kind of practice of spiritual lightening, of allowing ourselves to Take ourselves lightly that we may fly like the angels. As the choir guides us, may we endeavor to take ourselves lightly that we may fly like the angels, let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. God.
1: A lesson from the prophet Nehemiah, chapter eight, verses one through three Five through 6 and 8 through 10. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read it from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered him, Amen, Amen lifting up their hands. (laughs) Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. where would the body be? And as it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor and are Less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior members, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Please join me in reading responsibly Psalm 19 along with the antiphon. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Pride, pride for speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set, set a tent for the sun, which comes, which comes out like a bridge room from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuits to the ends of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the hearts. The commandment of the Lord is clear, Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and are righteous and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much more fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from your hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
4: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 4, verses
0: 14 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord.
4: Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord.
5: Praise to you, Lord.
0: Please be seated. We are living through a negative time. Before dawn, aroused by a dream, you awake, it may be. In the mind clutter of the dream, you stand in community listening for a holy word, it may be. Or you walk mesmerized by the beauty of a beach or a mountain vista it may be, or otherwise you sense the tug of a common good, a common desire, it may be. In the mind clutter of the dream, too, you may wait to hear something, it may be, before dawn, in the moonlight. Drowsiness returns, and you return to the arms of Morpheus, the god of sleep. But the time to rise comes along soon enough and you take stock again and you realize what time it is again. We are living through a negative time. For some, the negation is a chosen, intentional negation of inherited forms of public speech, of national discourse, of governmental responsibility, of encroaching, overweening statism, of political correctness, of international order and regular borders, a time to pluck up, a time to pluck up what is planted, or so one supposes. For others, many others, the negation is a consequence of all of this and more and amounts to a frightening, even terrifying daily rending of the garment of national life of the rending of the garment of civil society, of the rending of the garment of compassionate care for the young, the poor, the sick, and the old, of the steady destruction of treaties, alliances, and agreements welling up from a steady disdain for treaties, alliances, and agreements. A rending of the garments of courtesies developed over long time to shelter ourselves from our worst selves. The standard if sometimes honored in the breach, shared common rejection of misogyny, racism, sexism, xenophobia, greed, pride, sloth, and falsehood. And in their place, another kind of clothing, a laughing joy in and willingness to slaughter the truth by fulsome mendacity in the small and in the large. Whether with some you celebrate such, or whether with many you abhor it, now over the last few years it is clear we are living through a time of negation. You arise in the morning in a wonderment, a dark wonder. Will someone be given the nuclear car keys with which to incinerate another land? Will the government return again to potential fire and fury against a foreign people? Will the lax tax on the rich bankrupt government protections of the poor? Will the clearly emerging authoritarianism become patent and full on the strength of a manufactured crisis at a border or far away or most possibly in cyber gear? You brush your teeth, pour your coffee, turn on the news, and amid a wonderment, a dark wonder, you do wonder. Did I ever think I would live to see the day that my beloved country, to which I have pledged allegiance since kindergarten, for which I acquired a selective service card, to which I have paid taxes, now grudgingly, now willingly, over many decades? on whose account I have voted every year since the years of the silent majority and that Methodist minister's son from North Dakota, this land where my father has died, land of the pilgrim's pride, to see it be held hostage like a 13-year-old girl in Wisconsin, like her, the whole country bound, gagged, hidden under the single bed and held hostage to the megalomania of an imperial, increasingly authoritarian government, and to a complicit citizenry which cannot yet fully reckon, neither to reject nor recant the 2016 tragedy, and to a Senate whose every murmur now carries the middle name Faust for its deal with the devil in aid of paternalistic judges and capitalism gone wild and a willful blindness to the roaring, rising tide of exclusion, falsehood, selfishness, incivility, unkindness, and greed. Each morning brings a darker wonder, and you wonder how this can ever have anything other than the bleakest outcome. We are living through a negative time. In our time, we are hostages to negativity, living through a most perilously negative time with no exit readily or easily in sight. Some of us may realize that we will be dead, even long dead, before the blood is fully spilled and washed, before the dawn comes, before a return to the country's rightful mind. We are living through a time of negation. For a post-Christian culture and society, The next question then is not what it is right now and right here in Christian worship, the question of the possibility of preaching, not what it is right now and right here in the spirit of Christian community, not what it is in this venerable pulpit and other siblings to it across the land. As a whole, as a culture, we are no longer rooted in or grounded by hope, if we ever fully were, no longer grounded by the promise of the gospel, if we ever were. For society as a whole, the basic question of this moment, the preaching moment, is not, for the culture, a big or even a serious question at all. The symbols of faith have grown cold in a culture, in a land that is God-forsaken, or better put, simply, forsaken. So our problem, or mine, in this moment, the prospect of preaching, the problem of the possibility of preaching, the problem of how to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, the problem of how to preach a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope, the problem of hope itself in its realest, truest form, which is faith working through love, is not that of our culture. The radio program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is not waiting for the telling of a true hope. It is not perseverating about whether there can or will be any preaching worthy of the name in our time, let alone who on earth will deign to try to do it Sunday by Sunday. No, only the bitter biblical herb of hope deferred that maketh the heart sick, has any natural or easy purchase in our non-religious age. Yes, we are living through a negative time. In our time, hope, if it has any hope in it, is itself negation. A cheery, light, pseudo-inner life a false gaiety, a case, sera, sera, is not hope. It is false hope. Some listening today will find the depiction of negation offered this morning as too negative. You may be people my age and older. Some though listening today will find the depiction of negation as not negative enough. You may be people my children's age, now some 35% of whom identify or non-identify as nuns, those of no religion at all, but on whose watch much of the mess of these current years will have to be cleaned up. No. Hope that is seen is not hope. That is in the Bible. Who hopes for what he sees? That too is in the Bible. We hope for what we do not see. The key for once in the adverb not. That is in the Bible too. In our time, hope, if it has any hope in it, is itself pure negation. And in that negation, it may be, is the one lone location just now for preaching or any preaching worthy of the name. Hope is the negation of negation. Hope is the negation of negation. Hope is the negation of prideful overconfidence in our national or personal histories. One lasting good and a negative time is that it leaves little space for high horses ridden and deadly assumptions hugged. Authoritarianism can involve right here, just now, all the glories of the freedom trail notwithstanding. Authoritarianism can evolve right here, just now, all the glories of the freedom trail notwithstanding. So, a sentence from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. God would have us know that we must live as men and women who manage our lives without God. The God who is with us is the God who forsakes us, Before God and with God, we live without God. Hope is the negation of our lazy, slothful spirituality. What a strange, odd, unbiblical word. Hope is the negation of our lazy, slothful unwillingness to be politically involved, to go to meetings, to go to meetings, to go to meetings on the left and our refusal now that the evidence is in to recant what, for whatever reason, we chose to do three years ago on the right. That negation comes to gruesome light even in this, a twilight hope. Hope is the negation of our falsehood, our capacity somehow to look past or forgive or minimize the lying The mendacity, the screaming falsehood of our naively authoritarian current leadership. Hope is the negation of the dark wonder, that which makes things clear or clearer at dawn in the light of hope. Let us boil this down to daily life, if we may. It is almost inevitable, you human being, you, that in the age of negativity, in the maelstrom of unlimited negative informational bombardment, and of windswept rain soaking every daily pour, it is inevitable that you will now and then be depressed. You will be. That you now and then will be worried. You will be. That you now and then will be haunted by bad memories and dark dreams, you will be. You cannot avoid it. Forgive yourself, forgive yourself, forgive yourself, there. That feels good, or at least better, or at least it should. Hope walks by faith, not by sight, and faith itself is a walk in the dark, and faith itself is the power to withstand what we cannot understand, and to embrace hope that negates what it cannot eliminate. What you can do from this day forward is this. Listen to the gospel, which is the negation of negation by hope, the negation of asadia by hope, the negation of depression and worry and anxiety by hope, Not the elimination, no, the negation. Hope will give you a breakfast ounce of courage. Hope will give you a noonday morsel of anger. Hope will give you you a twilight flicker of faith because hope stands as the very negation of negation. It is not something, hope, that you or I can concoct or control or conjure. Hope stands in the pulpit, say, and speaks to us, say, and does so without fear or favor, without quiver or conceit, say, and utters a word of faith. Take heart. In a pastoral voice, I am with you. Toward a common hope, you are children of the living God. Hope a sense that things are wrong and can be right wise is what gives us the angry courage, the courageous anger to rise up and to resist out of a tradition of principled resistance dating back to Amos of Tekoa in the 8th century BC. To struggle, to lose, to be defeated, and to get up again. Hope is the raising of the dead. Jürgen Moltmann. To recognize the event of the resurrection of Christ is therefore to have a hopeful and expectant knowledge of this event. It means recognizing in this even the latency of that eternal life which in the praise of God arises from the negation of the negative, from the raising of the one who was crucified, and the exaltation of the one who was forsaken. It means assenting to the tendency toward resurrection of the dead in this event of the raising of the one. It means following the intention of God by entering into the dialectic of suffering and dying in expectation of eternal life and resurrection. Thus, the spirit is the power to suffer in participation in the mission and the love of Jesus Christ and is in this suffering a passion for what is possible for what is coming promised in the future of life in the future of freedom and in the future of resurrection in all our acts we are sowing hope in all our acts We are sowing hope. Before dawn, aroused by a dream, you awake, it may be. In the mind clutter of the dream, you stand in community, listening for a holy word, it may be. This is the gospel of Nehemiah, that there is a holy scripture, strange yet audible. Or you walk mesmerized by the beauty of a beach or a mountain vista, in the dream, it may be. This is the gospel of the psalmist in the most beautiful of all 150 psalms. All nature sings and round us rings, glory of creation. Or otherwise you sense the tug of a common good, a common desire it may be. This is the gospel of the epistle, spirit known for what it does for the common good. In the mind clutter of the dream too, You may wait to hear something, it may be. This is, here in Luke, Jesus preaching. At home, but not welcomed. Preaching the divine favor for the poor, not just the poor in spirit. For the oppressed, not just the figuratively oppressed. For the captive, not just the philosophically captive. Before dawn, in the moonlight. Hope negates what it cannot eliminate. Hope is the negation of negation. Said Paul, behold, I tell you a mystery. Said John, where I am you may be also. Said Paul, the trumpet shall sound. Said John, you know the way where I am going. Said Paul, the dead, the dead shall be raised. Said, John, I am the way, truth, and life. Said Paul, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and said to them, Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing.
6: As we are called to prayer through our singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the way that you are moved to best support our prayers this morning. Stand or kneel at the altar, raise your hands in your place, respond in a language other than English, however you are so moved this morning. The Iona community in Scotland shapes our prayers this morning. We thank our brothers and sisters there for their gifts of liturgy and for their service for and with the poor of their region. I will set the intention and then I will say, in your grace, if you would please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, in peace, let us pray to God. gracious, loving, holy, and one. We bring to you someone who we have met or remembered today and for whom we want to pray. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you someone who is hurting and needs our prayer and your healing. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you a troubled situation in our world. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you an area of the natural world or a companion creature population that we love. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you a person or group who reveals your love and justice at work in the world. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you, silently, someone who we find it hard to forgive or to trust In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring to you a celebration or something that contents us with thanksgiving. In your grace, hear our prayer. We bring ourselves to you that we may grow in generosity of spirit, in clarity of mind, in warmth of affection. In your grace, hear our prayer. And now we continue our prayer as our Savior Christ has taught us to be bold and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
7: Good morning. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel uh, this wonderful winter Sunday. Thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today. Whether you are here in the sanctuary listening on the radio or live stream on the internet or later via our podcast, please know that you are a valued member of our community. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads at the Um, end of each pew toward the center aisle. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. We are back into the full swing of things here at Marsh Chapel as the spring semester started last week. All of our weekly fellowship opportunities throughout the week are up and running for the semester. We invite you to take a look at the last page of the bulletin for the weekly schedule. The Marsh Chapel term book is also available for the spring semester. Um, If you have not received one already, uh, the term book is, can be found in the narthex after the service. It lists Marsh Chapel activities for the semester with descriptions as well as worship opportunities. A digital version of the term book can also be found on our website at bu.edu chapel. A few specific announcements about events happening at the chapel. Uh, Bible study with Bill Courts begins today at 1230 in Dean Hill's office. This semester of the Bible study will be focusing on the wisdom texts of Proverbs and the book of James. You can pick up a schedule of the Bible study passages in the main office of the chapel. Uh, there is also Thurman Choir rehearsal today at 12.30 p.m. In, the, in Robinson Chapel. All are welcome to participate and attend. Please see the insert in today's bulletin for more information about the Thurman Choir. Next Saturday, the dean invites all young and old to join him for ice skating on the Frog Pond at Boston Common at 1 p.m. as part of his annual Groundhog Day celebration. Marsh Chapel has joined with the School of Theology in a food drive for the Brookline Food Pantry. More information about where and when donations can be dropped off can be found in the insert in today's bulletin as well as on the chapel website. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as, as, well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
6: great healer, who fills our community with life and hope. Guide us to use these gifts to be vessels of your love to others so that our city may feel your meaningful warmth. Through Christ we pray. Amen.